Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Xbox one two three sixty. Our new day is dawning for DX. And now your hosts, Sean Xbox Wolfman. Welcome to Xbox one two three sixty, everyone. So excited right now because we shortened that intro up a lot. I was just telling everyone, like you know, when you watch Netflix and they have the intro. On the Netflix original series, like you have the option of skipping the intro, and if I uh, if I could have skipped this intro every time <laughs> I tuned into this show, I would have done just that. And it's just, I mean, I, I appreciate the you know the work put into it. It's just it's so long. You know, we were talking earlier. It's like you said, what the Game of Thrones intro? It's like as long as some like short episodes of t- other TV shows I've seen. It seems like. Anyway, whatever. We're having a good show today. Great show today. Not Absolutely. a good one. Yeah, great one. Um, and uh, uh, a little bit later on, well, you know, uh, toward the end of the show, uh, I'm really, really uh, honored to uh, be having uh, Glenn Jacobs on, my my favorite tag team part. Nothing against, like, all my my dearest friends, but, you know, AKA first, there was just something really special. Yeah, there was just something really special about about that the dynamic, you know, of our of our relationship on screen. You guys won you Best know? Tag Team of the Year in 1999. Uh, more than once, I think. Maybe more than once. I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah. And, and we made, made some money, too. <laughs> but mainly it was just creatively extremely satisfying. Yeah. But uh, and in and, and a few minutes here, we're going to uh, be joined on the phone by somebody I'm so happy uh, to see come back around the wrestling scene because he helped start a lot of the stuff that's going on right now when it comes to, you know, super fan conventions and big events and wrestle cons and all this. John Arezzi was doing it before anyone. Uh, well, actually, there w- we'll get into it. But <laughs> anyways, John, Ez- John Arezzi, he popularized all of this. And, uh, and he, you know, he had a relationship with Vince Russo, uh, you know, many years ago, they had a, a radio show together. Wrestling and, Spotlight Radio. Yeah, and the, and they. Sp- anyways, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Can't wait. I just don't want to get into all the BS with John concerning Vince, and you know, I don't want to go too far down that just because I don't want to get you know. I like to keep things positive. Guys, looking to last a little longer or go a few extra rounds? Go to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com is the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. Check this out. They've got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so they work. Since they're chewable, they'll work faster than a pill. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. They do work really fast, ladies, just to let you Noted. know. Yeah. <laughs> So and, I don't and like just, to wait, so that's yeah. good. Yeah, and and like for everyone out there, like you know, the holiday season, 
Um, this is a perfect, perfect thing, you know, because um, everybody loves to have sex. Well, pretty much everyone, you know, and and even like okay, for the ladies that are out there listening, I you know, like I said this before, you know, do yourself a favor and have your boyfriend, your husband, uh, significant other, you know, go to bluechew.com with promo code XBOC. Get your first order yeah. for free. You only Get pay your... five dollars for shipping. That's exactly what I was going to say, Jumbo. Especially with the holidays coming. Y- yes, it's so, a great the... stocking stuffer. Yeah, and the thing is, is you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line because Blue Chew ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code XPOC. Just pay five dollars shipping. Five dollars. It's a small price to pay for. A good session for of sex for a long night yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and here's the thing like I, I mentioned this before but just say like you spend in a lonely night or you know you don't have anyone to uh, share a sexual experience with you know just you know set yourself a date night and uh, with yourself and get you some blue chew get you a little hot towel you know a little spank your vision and uh, <laughs> and hey listen I'm gonna tell you what, like you can't really date yourself if if it doesn't, you know. I mean, anyways, it, it's it's better even when you're doing it with yourself. <laughs> if you use Bluetooth, that's all I'm saying. So go to bluetooth.com and use promo code XPOC. And if you do that, send us your um, your proof of purchase, and we'll send you a free picture signed. All right, all right. Bluetooth.com, promo code XPOC. Is there any? couple things we want to talk about at all yeah there's definitely some stuff i want to get your thoughts on yeah i know real quick hey i want to thank everyone uh that came out to the rest up to the wrestling guy store this this weekend um we we had about a a week and a half notice like i just kind of just felt like doing something around here you know seeing everyone that wanted to come out and and see us and uh and a ton of people came out to the wrestling guy store this saturday and it was it was great so I want to thank everyone. It really means a lot to me. It made me feel really good. Uh, but and, anyways, and they're going to feel pretty cool about having a superstar in their uh, Christmas picks this year, right? So I think there were some pretty cool picks. They had some professional photographer and Christmas tree. And anyways, yeah, it was fun. It was great. That's cool. Awesome. So let's go ahead and jump into what was a very impactful episode of Being the Elite, Leaving the Territory, episode 130. Sort of answered a lot of questions for us fans. We've sort of been, you know, we've been talking about the rumors of All Elite Wrestling coming yeah. out. You know, we still only know what we know so far. But the Bucks, ha- the Bucks and Cody have officially said goodbye to Ring of Honor. So they will no longer be being there at yes. all. They said goodbye to that on that episode. And they also showed... I guess you can say they performed a skit on their sort of contract dealings with the WWE. And sure. now after this episode, we know that they will not be appearing with them after they have expressed no interest in the company. It was actually a pretty interesting episode, too. They had a character um, that was titled H, so you can figure out who that was supposed to be. They give him a letter at the beginning of the episode, and then at the end of the episode, we actually find out what was in that letter. And in the letter, it said... Although this was a difficult decision, we watched an episode of Raw and saw what you guys did to the tag team division. I know in the business, the saying goes, never say never, but for now, we wish you the best in your future endeavors. And according to this, this is apparently how it really went down between them. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's 
you know, different details and all of that stuff. But this is officially what we know. Okay. I and uh, so do we know anything about the future of? Uh, Adam Page, Marty Skrull. So Marty Skrull is still within the company. Is still yeah. going to be with Ring of Honor. His contract is not up until April. Yeah. Kenny doesn't have a contract with Ring of Honor, but his contract with New Japan is up in January. Got you. But um, and then as for dates, when it comes to Cody and the Bucks, the only date they have announced is January fourth for Wrestle Kingdom thirteen. Got you. All right. Well. Their schedules are free. I tell you, I can I can totally understand where the bucks are coming from when it comes to looking at the product at WWE and how they treat tag teams. So you can say, okay, you can see the deal is is they present you with the opportunity and it's what you make of it. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, it's the opportunity for tag teams, like, like a lot of times they can say, oh, don't worry, like, it's all up to you and how you make, it's what you make of it. Not always. <laughs> That's bullshit. Like, That's they could, bullshit. yeah. Sorry. I, I hope I don't. I'm not sorry. You know, but whatever. It's, it's, you know, it comes in. History says that tag teams don't get used well right. there. Right. Every now and again, it's, it's happened. Like, but overall, as far as using them as the, you know, like for instance, the Road Warriors, Legion of Doom. I mean, they are they're a main event act, mm-hmm. like a main event act, and you you rarely ever saw them in the main event on a WWE mm-hmm. show anywhere. So it's just the way that is WWE. It's just the way it is. So I mean, it's not you know they they treat the tag teams well in NXT, mm-hmm. but you know so uh, you know understand what they're where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, good for the Bucks, good for Cody, good for wrestling. Um, Do you that, think part yeah. of it would maybe be too just being in control of their own destiny that they want to be able to choose what they do and when and who they're in a matchup against? Yeah. Uh, that whole idea has really become Cody Rhodes has kind of made that attainable. Yes, for yes. Indie I, mean, stars. I mean, you know, the the, the Bucks they they don't really have the experience of you know working in WWE to know the the. The positives and negatives, mm-hmm. you know, firsthand like Cody does. Right. So, That's so, so true. Yeah. Well, also, one of the things that I wanted to add to this was that this is sort of like the peak of their career. This is sort of the right time for this, yeah. for them to be making sort of a big move. Mm-hmm. And not only that, the fans are really, really excited to see what they're going to be doing. I mean, they already broke bar- barriers with All In. So I feel like now the bar is set a little higher for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just think WWE has shown that. They're, they they use singles wrestlers as a tag team more instead of a tag team. Mm-hmm. Yes. With you and Kane is a perfect example. You guys were both singles wrestlers, and then yeah. you ended up winning best tag team several times because it all worked out. Same with the bar, Cesaro and Sheamus. But an actual tag team bringing in an actual tag team and worried like, well, one of these guys get hurt, they're both out. We can't mm-hmm. really use yeah. them. So I think that's probably why WWE doesn't push tag team wrestling as much as well, when we need it, we'll just fill that void kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. That's right. And they have a completely stacked roster, which is about to get, especially on Raw and SmackDown, which is about to get a little bit more crowded recently. They have confirmed that there are six NXT stars going up to the main roster. This includes Lars Sullivan, which we already knew and are excited for, but also Lacey Evans, the former lady of NXT, EC3, Nikki Cross, who you guys know from a former Sanity member, and Heavy Machinery, that's Otis Dosevic and Tucker Knight, 
will all be joining WWE's main yeah. roster soon. Well, so my main, I'm just, I'm not going to go through that list. I'm just going to tell you, uh, Lars Sullivan and EC3 are made for the main roster. Absolutely. More so than, than NXT, mm-hmm. which they've been great there too, but, uh, you know, and I can just see, you know, I'm sp- obviously Lars, because, I mean, he's just freakish, like in so many ways, but, like EC3 is your like I look at him and I I look at like his manner is I look at the you know his mic skills I mean he's just he's tailor made for you know a good push on the main roster. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think you guys will actually probably be surprised by Lacey Evans. She's a great promo herself, and Heavy Machinery may have the potential to get lost in sort of what we were just talking about yeah. about now, but we will see. Yeah. So all right, well. Hey, so I I think right now, do we take a break right now, Mark, or do we just bring John in? Let's just bring John in. All right. Let's do it. We're ready. All right. So let's do it. Do you have an intro for John? Or no? Or uh, just... just a very little short one. Okay. All right. Are we, re- are we rolling? Are yeah. we ready? All right, guys. Well, joining us now, he is the founder of Pro Wrestling Spotlight Radio. You know him as the host mm-hmm. of that show. He also pushed his newsletter back in the day, a source of info for all of us. Please welcome to the show a guy who, as you said earlier, kind of started the whole thing of WrestleCons and promotions and connecting the fans with the stars they love to see. Please welcome John Arezzi. Yeah, make some noise for John. Yeah. Yo. What's John. going on? Hey, everybody. I just let everyone know uh, this is the first time I've talked to John Rezzi in tw- over 25 years, right? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a reincarnated dinosaur is I'm, what happened. I'm sti- John, I was so... I mean, I was so happy when all of a sudden I seen your name pop up on my Twitter app and my timeline, and yeah. it just it brought back somebody... It's not, I mean, we were only around each other for that one weekend, John, but it really left a huge impact to me, and it was so important uh, in, yeah. in my yeah, career, well, I, man. You were, you were like one of the top up-and-coming guys uh, at the time, and, and uh, I heard so much about you and all the great things that you were doing out of Minneapolis and uh, to have the opportunity to uh, bring you in to Weekend of Champions was a pleasure for me, and then, of course, uh, we had the one radio uh, uh, radio visit uh, at Scores yeah. in New York City with Al- Alex Marvez and Missy Hyatt and Jason Hervey. Yeah. That was kind of a crazy couple hours, and you had some tragic news uh, during that show. And That's it was, right. It was it was surreal. It was yeah. surreal, man. Yeah, that was weird but, because I it, I didn't put two and two together. Like I don't know, however many years later, when I was. Uh, filming like a DX video at Scores, you know, with all the ladies and everything. That that was the same spot we did that in all those years ago. Yeah, it was pre. Uh, it, it was pre uh, gentlemen's club days. Yeah, when I, when I was in there with uh, with the radio show doing some remotes in yeah. there. But I mean, it's really bizarre for me to even be back in all of this because I left the business in '96 and yeah. I didn't. I didn't turn back. I just left it. Changed my name. Uh, and just got out. I mean, I had gotten so burnt out and so disillusioned, and 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 I just it, it was kind of a it was just kind of a and then you know and then slowly. I mean, a few years ago, Wade Keller asked if I had any of my old radio shows that people ask about me all the time. Everybody thought I was either dead or in witness protection. I gotta admit, uh, man, I thought you might be dead, John. Yeah, yeah, that's what a lot of people thought, you know, and. Uh, so I so I, I, I gave him permission to 
put some of these shows up on his VIP site, and all of a sudden, uh, it kind of like people were really digging the interviews I did back in the day with, like you know, uh, behind the curtains with uh, Ultimate Warrior and and all the all the content and all those shows back in the day that no one else was really doing. So. Uh, uh, so that was kind of a reemergence for me, and then I did a few podcasts. I got called by Cornette a couple times and a few others. Yeah, and it was kind of fun to do it. But it wasn't really until uh, it wasn't really until three weeks ago, my nephew, who's a big wrestling fan, got a passion for it. He just got out of college, 21 years old, brilliant kid, Dominic uh, DiBiase. Yeah, no relation to Ted. Uh, he he sent me this podcast that Russo did um, about you know his 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 uh his disagreements with the dirt sheet people and yes. they talked about origins and how he got started and and, and then he, they just said a bunch of stuff that was really um historically inaccurate uh-huh. um and and some things need to be clarified so i reached out and uh and and they were very gracious to bring me on his show and we talked it out we had a gentleman's conversation it didn't get heated we right. we talked through our misunderstandings from 27 years ago when I brought him into the business, and uh, it was it was therapeutic for both of us. And then I, I started this Twitter account at the same time, and it blew up with all this old content that I've been posting. So I'm like, this is this is kind of cool, you know. It's really cool, John, because like I just I was looking through your you know all your tweets and 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 just some uh, some of the, the pictures and 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 you're bringing like okay. You, uh, you, it's some people are going like might not really appreciate this, uh, but there's a lady named Georgianne Mark Grop. Spell it, pronounce yes. Are, G, are, we always uh, just called her Georgie, Ge- Ge- yeah, Georgie, Georgie, Georgianne, Georgianne Necropolis, yeah, who passed away in 2010. But she was like from the 60s, she ran Buddy Rogers fan club, yes. and Bruno's fan club, and she was kind of like the chatterbox of wrestling. Well, that she was her, was that was the name of her, yeah, wasn't that, that the name of her that. little newsletter, the Wrestling Chatterbox? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was a mentor yeah. for all of us trying to get into the business, And because I ran Freddie Blassie's fan club back in 1972, Yeah, uh, and she helped me back in the day, back well the way back then, like get exposure and and give me some publicity, and, and, and she was always there for everybody. And, 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 and John, yeah, that's the type of stuff that I'm finding in my archives right now. John, and there's a there's a picture of Buddy Rogers and Bruno together that I think she was responsible for making happen, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, they, you know, had legitimate heat with each other uh, all throughout the days, you know, from 63 on onto present day uh, back in the day at 91 and then when i booked rogers and bruno at my convention uh, georgie was able to get them to pose for a picture together right and that was kind of like holy smokes i mean look they're they're standing next to each other and and then she was able to get a picture of herself with both of them and ironically i mean that was a photo that was that was buried with her she you know they put that in her casket wow yeah, what a wonderful. Uh, I mean, it was lady, so impactful. But she ran both yeah. of their fan clubs back in the early '60s. Hey, so John, when when you did, when you uh, like, okay, we talk about, and and I mentioned that, like, you're pretty much, like, in my opinion, the person that, like, all this WrestleCon, all these things, like, started with you. But there was actually like a, a WFIA. Were you a member? Were you a member of that ever? I, I was. Uh, I was a member of the WFIA. In- early 70s but basically what those conventions were 
there weren't like these autograph right. uh, opportunities. It was really an organization of fans to get together, and they had an award ceremony that would give out, you know, the best fan club of the year, the best newsletter, and the best wrestler and manager of the year. So it was really a, an organization that was uh, was very great for those who were inside the business. Right. It wasn't, it, and for the fans, uh, and, and for the hardcore fans, but it wasn't, it was more of a, like, you know, there were meetings and panels, and there were no tables for merchandise. I mean, all the tables that were set up for the WFIA were like me when I had my Fred Blassie fan club. Right. I had a display. I had a display. It was a display about the fan club, and, and that's basically what those what those uh, displays were. But it wasn't until really the Weekend of Champions that I always wanted to bring the fans and the wrestlers together. I thought it was a time that the timing was right, yeah. and that there were so many there were so many so many. Uh, wrestlers and performers that never had the opportunity to meet the fans before, so that's why I, I, I started the, uh, the the weekend of champions yes. to get the fans and the wrestlers together and get collectors together in one environment to you know just have a really good three day weekend of just nothing but wrestling. And uh, and so John, like the the thing is, is as when you started doing that was right around the time that like the curtain fell as far as okay, you know, the death of kayfabe or however you want to put it. Yeah. Right? So yeah, that was to me the difference. He didn't get flair in '91 because he he never had that experience before. Right. And he actually was in the ring when we did the auction, and he was like, you know, I really was I was really was very uneasy about this, yeah. but. Now that I've seen what John did, and this is this is a lot of fun. I'm enjoying. I'm actually enjoying myself, and that was kind of like tearing the curtain down, getting uh, throwing kayfabe out the window, and uh, that's when it really started. Wrestlers interacting with fans and talking, you know, hanging out at the bar with Terry yeah. Funk and Buddy Rogers. <laughs> and I mean, it was just it was just an amazing opportunity, and and one of my proudest moments was bringing the original Sheik in with Sabu in 93 for yeah. the one and only autograph appearance that he ever did. Wow. Uh, and, and, and that was, to me to this day, because he stayed in character, he stayed in character. And uh, even my interaction with him went to Kevin Sullivan, and I was like, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I, I, it was kind of suspension of disbelief for me, you know, giving Kevin Sullivan the payday to hand over right. to the Sheik, and he wow. kind of winked at me, and I just wanted him to stay in character. I didn't even want to talk to the dude because I didn't want that illusion. Yes, yeah, uh, so I was have, afraid wanna, of him when I was a kid. Yeah, was like that's the guy throws fire, you know. Sometimes we want to hold on to these images that we have. Uh, and yes, yes, yes. Yes. I wish that more people would think about things that way, not ruin everything for themselves. Yeah, I know, and I, I see the way it's gone, and the politics, and you know, the, the everyone's questioning booking. You yeah. know, I'm back in this for one reason and one reason only to share nostalgia yes. with the fans. I mean, so many good memories and, and, and Sean, I, in my archives, I mean, I got movies. I shot film at Madison square garden when I was, when I was 12, I got Andre the giant's first match at the guard, Mil Moskris's debut. Wow, I have Bruno, Pedro, chief J Strongbow, Andre, the funks. I got, I shot Madison square garden ringside from 72 to 74 and then I became a ringside photographer for the magazines wow. but I have I have 10,000 photographs I got 8 millimeter films I got all the shows I produced when I was the IWAS promoter and I ran that organization 
Um, so the content that I have is I could do this shit for years. Yeah. <laughs> I could be out there for years every day posting stuff. Yeah, you could. But I want to find a way to, to bring it to the fans in a way. Uh, and I'm, I'm contemplating what I'm going to do in 2019, and I haven't made that decision yet. I, I see there's a market for it. Yes. And I see there's a, a, an appetite for the nostalgia. And I'm like, how do I go about entering back into this in a very, in a very cool way? You know, without having to step, to get, without having to, to step in all the mud, the whole, Mar- no. John. Without having to step in all the mud, everyone else is stepping in. You know. I want to. I want to avoid that mud. Yeah. It turns into quicksand. Yeah, man. I hear you. I was just telling, uh, telling the team here when, when before we came on air, there was you know wondering what you might want to talk about, and I was like, look. You know, John doesn't want to weigh in, and I kind of read to them the text, you know, the DM. It was basically the same thing you just said. Look, I don't want to get into, you know, booking decisions now and who's being used right or wrong. Like, let's just focus on the nostalgia and the good memories. And I love that, John. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It was kind of crazy yesterday. I mean, Vince Rousseau and I had another conversation yesterday. Yeah. And, and I know how, you know, I know, I know, you know, the, 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 the past is the past, for, first and foremost. But, I mean, he, he just kind of said, you know what, just for nothing, bro, I just want to let you know that what you have and what you bring to the table in today's environment is unlike what anybody else has out there. You have more history inside of you yes. than just about anybody alive. And all right, that's because I'm freaking old. I'm in just 62. I'm going to be 62 soon. Wow. So I, but I, I was, I was watching wrestling since I was five years old, and 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 I and I kept everything related to wrestling that I've ever had. I mean, from my Freddie Blassie fangirl days to, yeah. you know, to the 90, 1996 when I left the business. Wow. So hey, what kind of old school merch do you have? Say that again, Jimbo. So what kind of old, old school merch? Yeah, well, like, because in the picture you posted of Sean, everyone was like, look at all those LGNs in the background. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. No, I don't have any of that stuff because that stuff I sold at my conventions. That was a way for me to monetize, you know, the, you know that time. No, I, I'm talking about the content, the videos, the films, the photographs, the, the actual matches. I, I really promoted some very unique matches around the world from – Singapore to South America, yeah. you know, booking booking a show like featured in the main event, uh, Psychosis and Sabu against Rey Mysterio Jr. and Conan and Caracas. I mean, that's a match that's talked about to this day that no one's ever seen. Uh, so I have it. Uh, wow, you know, man. there was a show I did with, in conjunction with AAA and ECW in Chicago uh, that was uh, Terry Funk and uh, turning on Perro Aguayo and we caused a riot. I mean, no one's ever seen this stuff. Uh, so you I mean, there's plenty. Of, there's plenty of stuff I have that I think people would really dig seeing. Yeah, man. Yeah, you need to work something yeah. out with High Spots Network or get yourself a pivot share and start posting this and make some money off of that. Yeah, stuff. I have no clue even where to start, guys. I mean, <laughs> this is just kind of like the last three weeks has been an eye opener for me, and I, I really don't know where to start. I really, I really don't. Well, I think you've, I think you've really kind of um, already started in the right place. John, honestly, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Building a little bit of a fan base. Yeah. I mean, and just seeing where it goes. And, and, and the opportunity, like my nephew, when he heard it, you're doing X-Pops podcast, Uncle. He was like, that is so cool. And I'm like, yeah. And you know why I'm doing this too? Because of him. I mean, he just graduated college. He's a brilliant kid. He loves the business. I want to keep him away from the bad stuff of the business. Yeah. But if he wants to help me, I mean, with 
a podcast or getting a website started or even, you know, uh, I, I think there's a book in it as well. Oh, for sure. You know, maybe he can be the ghostwriter for me, but he yeah. wants to be in the business. I want to find a way to get him started in his career. So maybe this is a way to do that. And, and, and for me to kind of tell my history, but him to get started in a, in a, in a career. Hey, so, hey, hey, John, um, man, looking at the pictures of you now, man, you look great. You look uh, probably the best I've ever, like, the, uh, you know, you look fantastic, you know, Sean, man. I, 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 when I was in the business, man, when I, when I left the business, I was 388 pounds, yeah. man, and I couldn't even move. And, you know, I'm down to about 270. I mean, I'm still That's heavy, incredible. but I, you know, but I feel great. Yeah. I mean, when I left the business, I mean, the stress just kind of lifted from me, and uh, it was such a dark time in my life, and, and the things that I've done uh, after wrestling have been, uh, you know, really cool. I've been in the music business in Nashville for 20 years. I've, uh, I've uh, you know, I, I discovered, you know, uh, you know, one of the major country stars in the business today, Kelsey Ballerini. Very cool. Uh, I mean, I worked for the record company. I was the vice president there, and I found her and brought her in and got her signed. That's a huge um, job. I mean, yeah, Kelsey is a big star today, and and and, I, and what I do right now in Nashville is I, I do artist development. I work with artists uh, that are that are emerging, and I raise money for them through their fan bases through a, a, a crowdfunding platform, which I, I developed with a, a business partner, and then we open doors to this music industry for them. Wow. Uh, so I mean that's kind of giving back in a lot of ways, and and. And, and, and that's what I've been doing in the last 20 years. I, I've, I've been in Nashville, uh, working in, in the record business, uh, working in promotions, uh, helping artists out, marketing artists. And uh, I found my niche, man. I, 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 uh, I loved country music uh, when I left wrestling. And, and I started as a radio salesperson on Long Island, went to New York City, and they could hire to open up an office for a TV network here in 2000. And I never looked back. I stayed here. I love it here. Nice. Man. John, like the main, like one of the main reasons besides just you know uh, shining some light on you for for all the people like that that tune into the show uh, was for me to just um, have you come on so I could tell you how grateful I am to you and how much I appreciate you know that weekend. Like I said, it was only one yeah. weekend I was around you and it was huge for me and I'll never forget that, John. And I really can't wow. wait to see you, man, down the road somewhere. I, I look forward to that, and I think our paths will cross again. I, I am almost positive of that. Hey, and John, let's t let's give everyone, um, you know, all your like social media stuff. So they yeah, can... yeah. I, basically, I, I just did this three weeks ago, and I was able to get my name. It's at John Arezzi at Twitter. I mean, at John A R E Z Z I Twitter, and I started an Instagram account a few days ago. So I mean, that's where you can find me. There's no yeah. website up, but. Uh, you know, I'm posting every day. I'm putting some really cool shots up every day, and I, all I got to do is dip my hand into a into a into a bin of photos, oh, and man. I come up with gold. Hey, so, so I'm like, so John, here's the thing: somebody, somebody listening, or so, or somebody we know, uh, can definitely get you going in the right direction as far as websites, how to hand, like what to do with with all the with the treasure chest of stuff that you have. And getting it out yeah. there and, and and doing it in the smartest way, man. Um, so yeah. like somebody, out, we have definitely have connections for that, and you know, so do a lot of people. And and I'm sure a lot of people would be dying to help you with it, John. And I, well, I mean, I'm gonna uh, like I said, I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity to to come here, and like I said, I'm gonna just kind of do it smart 
I think uh, I wasn't the best businessman back in the 90s. I really promoted like a fan because I was a yes. fan, and I'm still a fan. Yeah. That's how I promoted it. And I didn't look at the dollars as much as pleasing the, the, the listeners that I was responsible for serving back in the day when I had Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And, and, and now I just want to do things in a little bit of smarter way if I can. Yeah. And if there is a market for this stuff, I want to do it the right way and always uh, and always over deliver to anyone that's going to be associated with anything that I do. That's right. Always give them always give them more than they expected. Yes. Yep. That's exactly. a Pat Patterson. Uh, that's a Pat Patterson uh, philosophy. We we'd always like throw a little something in to make the people feel like they got something extra. Well, that's what keeps them coming back. Yep. John, thank you so much, man. I'm so grateful for everything, and I'm grateful for your time today, man. Thank you so much. Shana Rezzi, everyone. Yeah. Thank you. All right. And before we continue, here's a question. How did you sleep last night? How did you ladies sleep last night? Okay. Yeah. Well, did you spend the night tossing and turning? Yeah. Oh. Sleep is important. The quality of your sleep affects the quality of your daily life, thousand percent. If you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try Purple Mattress. Purple Mattresses will feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses a brand new material developed by an actual rocket scientist. An actual rocket scientist. Wow. Yeah. It's not like the memory foam you're used to. The purple mattress material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. So it gives you comfort and support. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. It ends up giving you a zero-gravity-like feel, so it works for any sleeping position. Going through purple gets you a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, gets free shipping, free returns, free in-home setup, and remove all of your old mattress. That's important because, you know, if they don't do that, you can have an old-ass mattress just sitting around and, you know, it might be there for a year. It's before a pain it, in the back. Yeah. on your sidewalk and it looks terrible. Yeah, it looks really bad. Yeah, isn't that brutal? Like, even out here, right, in some nice neighborhoods, you got people that move and they just throw stuff out front. And oh, my God, it looks so much so furniture. Bad. The dogs are peeing on it all. Oh, my God, so bad. You're going to love purple. Right now, our listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's on top of the great gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text XPOC to 474747. The only way to get this free pillow is to text XPOC to 474747. That's XPOC, X-P-A-C, to 474747. Message and data rate may apply. Thanks again to our friends at Purple Mattresses. We're going to take a break right now, and we're going to come back with Kane, a.k.a. Mayor Glenn Jacobs. Welcome back to X-Pac 12360. Joining us now, a three-time world champion and 12-time tag team champion with partners like our very own Sean Waltman and some others. He formed the legendary alliance Brothers of Destruction alongside The Undertaker and has performed at the grandest stage of them all at WrestleMania, set Royal Rumble records, and of course wreaked havoc as part of The Authority. He recently announced he's opening the Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy. The residents of Knox County, Tennessee, 
call him Mayor Glenn Jacobs, but you all know him as WWE Superstar Kane. All right, make some noise. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, thank you for coming on, man. I'm honored to have hey. you on. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. Hey, Glenn. Hey, Mr. Mayor, is it okay if I call you Glenn for the Glenn, sake of Glenn, the interview? Yeah, please. please. <laughs> hey, do you, I always ask people that's known for a long time, do you remember the first time you and I met? Man, I don't know I'm gonna if I tell do you or not, actually. So, okay. Refresh, refresh my memory. I remember watching you on TV. Don't feel bad. It Before was that. at Dab's Business Park um, in Tampa, Florida, and you were you were at Malenko's. And, uh, yeah, I, that, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I, um, I just remember, like, I just I looked at you, and I'm like, oh, my God. This guy's going to be a big deal at some point. And, you know, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, that's you know, that's something that we, uh, we have in common is we uh, both went through uh, the great Malenko's Professional Wrestling Academy. Um, that was It was a great experience for me. Uh, Boris Malenko, Larry Simon, uh, you know, who's uh, Dean Malenko's dad, uh, Joe Malenko's dad, uh, just a great guy. You know, when I, yeah. I moved down there, uh, I actually lived with him for like six months. And, oh, wow. Uh, and he just opened his house up, and he's just wonderful people, wonderful people. He lived, you know, he lived, this is kind of getting a little inside baseball. That place he lived, that used to be Masami's house. Do you know that? No, I didn't, actually. Yeah, yeah. And Masami, we were just talking about Masami earlier. Uh, uh, because like, oh, anyways, Masami was this, uh, the son-in-law of Carl Gotch and he was the referee of UWF in Japan, mm -hmm. uh, the, the submission style promotion over there and it broke off and Glenn, you, like a lot of people don't realize this about you, but, uh, you were trained in submission wrestling and, and, and actually went and, and, and worked in Japan in pro wrestling Fujiwara Gumi, right? Sure did. Um. That was the neat thing about Malenko's is that you had a Dean and uh, you know, Larry and some other folks that taught professional wrestling. And then yeah. you had uh, Carl Gotts lives in Tampa and he's good friends with Larry Simon. Uh, so there was a strong um, you know, submission Sundays. style there too. And that's, that's what Jody did, Joe yeah. Malenko. And yeah. I remember being in the ring with Joe and, you know, Joe's about 200 pounds, and I'm 300 pounds, and he's just tossed me around like I'm a, I'm a throwing dummy. Yeah. You know, in fact, we got to the point where I learned I learned how to take, like, you know, good wrestling takedowns because I would, if he would throw me, I would just go yeah. with it. I knew there's nothing I could do about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, were, were you down there in training? With, was, like, was, was Shamrock down there at the time? No, I was there in, it would have been 92 or 93. Yeah, 93. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was there. Gosh, I can't remember. I can't remember who all was there when 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 I was there. But, um, it, but like I said, it, it was it was a really good time. Hey, so so when 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 you left Tampa, did you go uh, from there right right to Knoxville? No, I went to Puerto Rico. Oh. Um, actually, I went and worked for Carlos uh, for about nine months, and I also did intermittently. I was going to Japan before that, and yeah. I would go to Japan like oh gosh, once a month, and. Uh, then I think I went back home for a little while, back to St. Louis, yeah. and you know just worked a little bit with some independents there, and then went back down to Tampa, and then uh, ended up going working for Carlos for about nine months. Then I ended up going to uh, work for Otto Vance in Germany oh, for just wow. for a month, 
then right yeah. after that's uh, when I went to work for Cornette in Knoxville. Hey, so how did that how did that happen? Like the 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 Cornette thing was that because they had seen you in uh, you know in Puerto Rico or? It was Dutch Mantel. Yeah, uh, Dutch has been one of those people that I really owe a lot to. Um, Brilliant. Dutch and I met at um, an independent show someplace, man, in Illinois or Indiana. Uh, and uh, he took my name and number and all that, and then he got the book in Puerto Rico. Yeah, and Dutch is tremendous. I mean, he really he's a understood the psychology of yeah. that territory. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I lived with Dutch, and I said he helped me out a lot. And uh, towards the end of my run there, he got me hooked up with uh, Cornet and basically got me a job in Smoky Mountain. Yeah, and I remember, like, for people that aren't familiar with Smoky Mountain, uh, you had this character. It was, it was some, it, it had kind of a Jason look to it, but it was yeah. called the Unibomb. Unibomb? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The name was Unibomb because Cornet just thought that was a cool name. It was, uh, you know, and and basically <laughs> it was it was it, it was somewhat it looked like Lord Humongous a little right. bit uh, from from Memphis. Uh, it had a hockey mask, like you're saying, like sort of a Jason look. But then I would take the mask off to wrestle, yeah. and I, I talked. I talked a little bit. I had Al Snow as my tag yep. team partner, so Al did most of the talking. But uh, every once in a while, I'd say something, and that was tremendous experience, man. I got to work with Ricky and Robert, uh, Ricky, uh, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, yeah. Rock and Roll Express, and Tracy Smothers and Tony Anthony and, and Brad Armstrong, and just all these just really, really. Coronet had some of the best talent, uh, you know, going, and uh, I got to get out there and and be part of all that. So it was really a tremendous learning experience. For yeah, man, there was like, like Sullivan was there. I see like, even like yeah. Paul, Paul Orndorff came through, right? Like, yeah, d- yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, they weren't there when I was there, but even when I was there, man, Sean came down, Sean Michaels came That's down to right, the yeah. shot. Undertaker did a couple shots. Uh, Buddy Landell was there. Oh gosh. Who all else? I mean, just, you know, and, uh, Arn, Arn, came over and worked a little bit yeah. uh, not when i was there but i know he did some shots uh, lawler did some hey how, uh, how so, about yeah. this guy a lot a lot of people don't know this is but he was really good and and he and i um he and i actually lived together at phyllis lee's house uh in, in our start at malenko's uh bobby blaze yeah. yeah 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 bobby was bobby trivia was the last smoky mountain wrestling champion oh, was yeah. it hard to- um Go ahead. I was just saying, was it hard to change your style? Because you're talking about wrestling in Mexico, Smoky Mountain, Japan. Those are all very different styles of wrestling, well, especially for. Some well, they are, um, but I, it was Puerto Rico, not Mexico. Puerto Rico. So, uh, you know that that would have been a big adjustment. Um, now, Japan was completely different. I mean, Japan was submission style wrestling, uh, so you know it, it was completely different. Um, I think part of the, and I think Eddie Gilbert told me this that the key to being successful was the ability. You know, to uh, uh, modify and be able to do anything from you know, like very serious and technical wrestling to the comedy stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and that that was the great thing about you know we all talk about the territories and uh, you know how they're all gone away now and uh, you know I think that's one of the things that's really for people that are coming up into the, uh, the business nowadays is you don't get like that huge variety that you see. Yeah, everybody yeah. had a different style, you yeah. know, and every every territory had a little different style than the others. Um, you know, now it's just the nature of the thing. Uh, you know, you just you aren't exposed to that on a night after night basis like you were, were before. Yeah, like I I know, um, so like Memphis and and uh, 
and Puerto Rico had similar styles. Like in that, like you would go out there and walk and talk a lot more, right? Like it yeah. wasn't a, like okay. For instance, like if you were working in Memphis and you were on the Nashville show, like the heels would dress on the other side of the, the building. Right. Like you couldn't even talk to them unless you used like a, a walkie-talkie or something. You yeah. know. So uh, you know, I, yeah. The first show I ever did for Lawler, uh, I, you know that that's how it was. Uh, it was like in Kennett, Missouri, uh-huh. and I'd never even met Lawler or anything like that. And they just booked me on a show. And the thing was, though, I I just started. I just broke in. Yeah. And Frank Morrell, who's the referee, you know, comes over to me and he's, you know, he's like, well, this is what Jerry wants to do. And I didn't speak professional wrestling yet. <laughs> I didn't even know what he was talking about. Right. I was like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, and, and Memphis and, and Puerto Rico were both, you know, um, a lot more brawling and, and, and that kind of, of stuff. Like you said, you know, you would, uh, you know, you wouldn't even, the, 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 they were different locker rooms and the whole deal. Um, so, you know, and you had other places that were uh, less so and probably more, and I'll, you know, probably, probably more, more technically based. Yeah. Hey, Glenn, when you went to, uh, when you came up and you started doing the, the Isaac Yankum thing for, for a minute, like, um, were you still, were you still doing Smoky Mountain at the same time? No, no. I, I signed, uh, with WWE about April of 1995, yeah. and I was put on a, de- a developmental contract, a version of it back then. Basically, that was just to tie me up so I couldn't go to, like, WCW. Sure. Um, you know, then, uh, then I came up August 95, but I left Smoky Mountain Wrestling a week or two before that. Right. But I'd already, now, the vignettes for the Isaac Yankin deal, uh, you know, I was doing those. I was still working for Smoky Mountain. Hey, so do you, like, what are, how do you feel about all that? Like, because, you know, like, a lot of people go, eh, you know, the, the whole, the, the whole idea of the, you know, just the, just, just the, whole, the, de- the wrestling dentist thing. Like, I mean, it was. <laughs> I, you know, um, came up at a, at a time where really the uh, WWE was shifting philosophy and we yeah. were going from a purely PG product. Uh, and you know, getting into much more edgy, and the attitude era was still a couple years away. But uh, you know, we still had—I uh, was one of the last of kind of the over-the-top characters. You had yeah. like uh, me, and then afterwards, you had um, T.J. Hopper, who's Duke the Anthony, Dumpster, Tony Anthony's T.J. Duke the Dumpster, <laughs> right before me. Uh, you know, just that that sort of thing. Um, and I caught the end of it, and I just, uh, frankly, I, just, I I I never got into the character I, right. I always make the pun that i couldn't sink my teeth into it um <laughs> it just you know just it wasn't it wasn't me yeah um and i couldn't make it work plus i mean i was still pretty green at that point and i was still trying to figure my way around through this whole thing and you know here i was in wwe and i think i think a lot of people uh, end up in this situation i mean I, i'm in the ring with these guys that i've watched on tv yeah you know, i was like oh gosh what am i supposed to do um and you can't have that attitude. I mean, you have to have the attitude of I belong here, and I didn't have it at that point. Uh, it was not certainly not my favorite character, but well, yeah, now they've course. made a now they've made a, a wrestling figure out of it, so I have to like it. <laughs> and you know, they they remind me of that now, but that's okay. Hey, I think <laughs> it's good to embrace the the things that we did that maybe we look back on and chuckle about, or you know. You know that I mean it wasn't the ideal, but we do the best we can with it, which is exactly what you did. Yeah, and sure. the thing was, if there never there hadn't been Isaac Yankum, there never been a Kane, probably. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so it's just all part of it. And, um, you know, I have some people think it's the greatest thing ever too, you know? So, uh, it is just a matter of accepting it and just saying, yeah, for me, it, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I always preferred like the Road Warriors were my favorite tag team. And, Me too. You know, I always preferred the the rough and tough stuff as yeah. compared to the more entertaining stuff as well. So it was probably a personal preference on on my part. Yeah. So hey, man, and I got it. I just got to gloss over this at least. I I know it wasn't ideal either, but the the fake Diesel thing, man. Yeah, I actually like that more. Yeah, I thought I was going in the right direction. <laughs> well, I you thought know? you did a great um, job on it, dude. Like it was a like honestly, like if they were gonna find anyone at all to do that, like that would have been you. Yeah, and again, it was one of those deals that the storyline really just didn't evolve, like yeah. it had been originally conceived, and that happens. Yeah, you know? and for sure. Sometimes course you know the guys will get mad because oh i was told this was going to happen and it's an organic product right and things just happen and they evolve and it just didn't you know it just didn't work the way because you know conceptually it sounded pretty cool yeah um but it just didn't you know take off that way and of course you know i don't, I don't think the audience really ever got behind it hey, but again for me it got me more experience and sure. i was much more i was going you know, i was determined to make that succeed and whereas with the isaac yankum character a lot of um, you know, a lot of the fact that it didn't, you know, um, succeed like I would have wanted it to, uh, was due to me, uh, you know, with, with the, uh, the fake diesel character was just the fact that, you know, it was probably just never meant to be, right. but I felt that I'd done my part to make it successful as I could have made it. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And you know what? Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but you know, Kevin and Scott loved that whole thing because, uh, they got a huge raise because of it. You know about that? No, I yeah. didn't get any of it. No, it would have been nice. Well, hey, so here's the thing: when 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 they, <laughs> I need to hit Kevin up, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, when 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 WCW offices heard heard when that Diesel and Razor were going to be on on Raw, they thought that Kevin and Scott said "f it" and just decided to go back there and <laughs> f the con- and so they they just said, "How much money do you want? Here, here's half a million dollars more, or however much ridiculous raise it was." Like that's a true story, and we, and we wonder why WCW went out of business. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk about being uh, the fake Diesel. Luke Gallows was the fake Kane. How close was he to becoming the third brother of destruction? Ah, uh, not very. <laughs> <laughs> that was that. That was another thing that you know it sounded really good conceptually, uh, and just didn't work. And uh, you know, Luke, of course, is tremendous Excellent. performer yeah. and yeah just a tremendous performer and uh it's one of those things i was like man because i was really hoping that that would have worked for him uh, i mean it was going to be it wasn't like it was going to be a long-term deal anyway you know it was just a storyline driven character um you know but nevertheless uh you know it would have been nice if that had, that had turned out a little bit better but uh it, it, it didn't uh the uh the outfit and the, the wig just didn't cut it you know so it's <laughs> got chopped right away so glenn um can you talk about like because i wasn't there yet but i saw that i saw the debut of kane in that cage uh, i can't remember what pay-per-view it was hell in the cell, hell in the it, cell. It, yeah actually in your house it was in your house okay but uh, i just remember was, yeah i was like yeah i just and and um you know i'm just wondering like when they run that by you okay we want you to do this this character like i mean 
like it had to be like just even running that by you like you had to have known this is the one right absolutely yeah uh you know because you can have a chance to work right away with the undertaker and you know that he's going to make it successful as much as he possibly yeah. can um you know and the story behind it from what i understand is initially the Kane character is supposed to have been hot shotted and basically Mark needed an opponent uh, and didn't have one for a pay-per-view. So, uh, you know, they, they came up with this idea really quick and then Vince liked it so much that uh, he decided, you know, this was, it was a great character and he didn't want to just, you know, do a one shot deal. Um, and you can see that, I mean, you know, Paul Bear was talking about Kane four months before right. he ever saw my debut and uh i think if any character ever had the table set for them to be successful it was it was kane yeah. you know um and then just everything and uh, that went along with that uh i was yeah I, I was really pumped because uh had a couple characters that hadn't worked as well as i would have wanted them yeah. to and then to have the opportunity uh, to do this, you know, and then your first night out, you get to drop the undertaker, which never happened back then. You know, I mean, like never, no one ever just like dropped taker like that. Um, so, uh, you know, th this was one of those deals. It's like, if this doesn't work, I really, I really do need to consider a career change. Um, but thankfully it did. But see Glenn, you know, the thing is, is the execution was about as perfect as you could get. I mean, you nailed that character, Glenn. And I'm just wondering how how long it took you to to you know to get in the groove and 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 work all those things out. You know, you know what I mean? Like to where? Like I mean, it was yeah, it was just perfect. Yeah, man. yeah. It, um, that one I I felt very comfortable from the start. I mean, because I'd worked with Taker before, and of course. Uh, you know, part of it, especially at the, the start, was uh, mimicking some of the things that he did. And yeah. there was really, uh, there was like a, a template because of Taker, yeah. you know, that, that I could follow. Um, and then by this point, too, I'd, I'd been around long enough. I mean, I've been in WWE for two years. Uh, you know, I'd been around long enough that I knew what it took to be successful. Yeah. Uh, and I knew that, you know, I couldn't just always listen to everybody else say, okay, yeah, that's whatever you want to do out there. You know, I had to, had to you know, get myself over um and i owed it to everybody in this case because so much had been invested into the kane character uh so really i mean i i felt comfortable from the beginning and uh you know there wasn't there certainly wasn't the learning curve involved that there was with the other characters yeah did taker ever give you any sort of advice Oh yeah, he gave me lots of advice, especially after I screw something up. And I don't know if he called advice, but it was uh, <laughs> talking to every once in a while. Hey. No, he he gave me. He was always a huge advocate of mine uh, from the very beginning uh, of my running. Before actually my running WWE. In fact, our first match uh, was in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, uh, and he had come down uh, to Knoxville, and uh, it, it was him and me with Al Snow in my corner. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, that Mark always saw, you know, uh, someone that he could, you know, could go out and make money with um, and wanted me to be successful. And, uh, you know, just from the very beginning. And, uh, I mean, I, you know, 
helped me with a lot of a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, and and even before the Kane character came along, like I said, helped me navigate. Because you know, Sean, it can be a it can be a political world. Oh yeah, um, tell you know, me about it. <laughs> helped me navigate through a lot of that too. Yeah, yeah, because because Glenn, like, like honestly, you're. you're I've never met a more like in in the industry like a, a more likable guy and a, a more pleasant guy to be around in the locker room and like you know and that could sometimes like in the early days get get misconstrued for you know for other things yeah uh larry simon used to say uh, you know don't let people uh don't let people confuse kindness with weakness yeah and that's the thing is yeah you know um it's a little different nowadays but in that locker room, uh, yeah, you know, it, there was uh, much more of uh, folks who weren't necessarily uh, concerned with the overall well-being of the company as, right. you know, as themselves. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it could be a hard place to really, you know, to really get along in. Um, Ain't it but, you know, it's, it's what it is at this point, too. Yeah. And, you know, um a lot of those guys are my friends too. So. Sure, hey Glenn, when when you first started getting that huge push as as Kane, like, did you run into any like, you know, like guys that had to put you over any like yeah. animosity? Like, hey, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, and again, especially because, uh, well, okay, let, let me prep. Yes, I did, um, but <laughs> there was a guy called the Undertaker. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he would just be like, well, if you don't like it. Yes. <laughs> you know, you, you can talk to Taker about it. That's right. <laughs> that pretty much shut all that yeah. down pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. And then you had your first, and then you, like, you know, they had enough faith in you uh, to put WWE Championship on you, Glenn. That's a big deal, man. Yeah, it was. And, you know, the thing was that people will, you know, folks sometimes give you a hard time. We only had it for a day. But here's the thing. This was very important time because you know Austin was taking off yep. uh, you know he, he was well into his climb um, you know the attitude era was like really just there was all this stuff rumbling and you know winning the world championship was awesome but that was in Pittsburgh at King of the Ring it happened the same night that Mick of Mick, course yep. uh, you know yeah went through the off the cage and went through the cage um, so I always give Mick a hard time that you know, Still there. I went to World Championship. <laughs> Everybody just remembers Mick that night. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, uh, the next night in Cleveland, though, man, I'll never forget this. This is the most electric environment I've ever been in. Uh, I mean, it was it was completely sold out, and you know, all anybody wanted to see was Austin. Yeah. Austin get the championship back. Um, and I really feel that, you know, for what my little part in was that that in in all that, that was really a springboard. Um, and you know, really helped elevate the entire product. Yeah. Uh, in fact, up until that point, that was the highest rated segment of Raw that we'd had, and you know, and that's when things really started shot. It, it wasn't me, of course. Uh, it was Austin, and and you know all that. But nevertheless, you know, to play a part in that um, was a really big deal. No, oh, yeah, it's a huge deal, man. And I'm gonna tell you, like, hey, Glenn, I I was. You know, I tell people this all the time when, whenever uh, your name comes up. And, and people always, like, they'll associate me with the click and, you know, D, DX guys or, you know, Hunter or, or the Wolfpack, Scott and Kev. But, like, honestly, my favorite partner, like, ever was, was you. It was just the, it was just the, 
just such a unique dynamic. Like, you know, it was the opposite of your average uh, bookend tag team, you know? Yeah. And, and just the whole way it yeah. started, you know, from the WrestleMania yeah. thing, everything. Yeah, it was uh, it was great. It helped me out tremendously. Um, because, you know, up until that point, Kane had just been like uh, an emotionless monster. Yeah. And what, what that did for me, our, our tag team, uh, was it really helped round out my character uh, because, you know, it showed that, that, you know, Kane has feelings and uh, all of that stuff, which I'd never had before. Right. And, uh, you know, humanized, humanized me enough, you know, that people I think could relate much better. Yeah. Remember we did, um, remember we did this deal where we were teasing a breakup yeah. and it was a Kemper arena there in Kansas city. And, uh, you got mad and walked out of the arena yeah. and then they shot another pre-tape, you know, and, uh, they had, they had like a close up of my eye and has a tear coming out, you know, oh, damn. And it was like, <laughs> golly, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who, who would have thought, yeah. um, but all that stuff, it really helped, you know, it really helped my character and, and my career and me too, um, man. as well. Me too. And just, you know, and all the stuff we got to do, man, it was, it was a blast. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, like you said, a lot of times you have the tag teams that are bookends, but having something that contrasted so much and was so unique, you know, and uh, we could have great matches with anybody because, you know, just good. Um, and we had, gosh, who all had the, you know, the New Age Outlaws and D'Lo and Mark Henry and, you know, uh, just everybody. Oh, uh, we had a match really with the acolytes. We had a match with D'Lo and Mark Henry, and unfortunately, it was it was on the same show that Owen passed away, so it gets right. overlooked, you know. But it was so damn good, Glenn. Oh my yeah. god! And and yeah. uh, I just wanted to talk about like just the, the the really cool way like we went into our starting our tag team. We would have these tag matches, and then just out of nowhere, like at the end, like Glenn would just wig out and grab me and choke slam me and then yeah. and then so like when we won the tag titles after wrestlemania uh you know at the end you know i i blow my comeback glenn comes in he makes his huge comeback people are going ape shit i bronco buster uh i think it was jeff or owen or somebody and then when i stagger out glenn grabs me by the throat again and people think he's going to choke slam me and he picks me up over his head and he throws me on owen for the one two three and the place goes nuts Steve Austin yeah. said that was one of the greatest feel-good like finishes he'd ever seen at the time. Yep, yep. Yeah. I remember another one, man, uh, where uh, uh, we were working against uh, Taker and Big Show, I think. Oh, yeah. And uh, did a deal some... Hello? And we did... Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, so we did a deal where uh, uh, Taker is trying to recruit me back, right? And um, he—I forget how it happened, but basically he—he he choke slammed you and he messed you up. Yep. And I didn't see that, but you know, I'm facing the Titantron, and Taker's standing in front of me, and you know he's trying to convince me to come back with him. Meanwhile, the Titantron they showed the replay of you getting blasted by him. Yeah. And then I, you know, I I, I like steam for a second, then I grabbed him a choke slam and the place went just absolutely yeah, crazy yeah. yeah that was that was <laughs> that was that was way cool it was a great moment and 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 glenn um you know uh when 
when I actually turned heel on you, like that was some pretty cool stuff too. I think like it went, you know, like it drug out too long at the end, like, you know, cause I really loved working with you. Like I wanted to like, anyways, it, we had, I, I really love working with you as a heel. It was very challenging for, for a guy my size, like to, to work with not just a guy your size, but a guy with your gimmick. And I thought we did it really right. well. Right. And, uh, I remember Dutch telling me this way back in my days in Puerto Rico. You know, is you have to, when you have a character like I have and the guy my size, uh, you know, you have to figure out creative ways to stop to yourself. Be vulnerable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, and then too, the other thing is, uh, you don't get sympathy like normally. We think you know, guys getting beat up and people, you know, feel bad for him. With me, it's just like, well, why doesn't Kane just get up and beat everybody? Right. You know. <laughs> So it, it, it could be difficult, um, you know, but, uh, of course, you always had some great ideas. And, yes, I remember that uh, you definitely wanted, like, a big, huge uh, match to put an exclamation point on the whole deal. Yeah. And we just never could really get it worked out. Like, like some exploding, it. like, fire exploding bomb type of thing, right? And, it, and like, yeah. it just never, it never, yeah came to fruition yeah. but in my in my mind like i had this image and like you know you that would have been your like burial of me but anyways never happened uh a little bummed out <laughs> were there ever any talks about you guys having a singles match at wrestlemania because i know you guys had one at no way yeah. out but it was so close was there ever any talks about a singles match between you guys well that was like the thing that it, was it yeah. yeah and it turned into a tag match and you know it was kind of more of an afterthought but um yeah, yeah well that was awesome happen? didn't didn't I hadn't I broken my hand or something at that point? Um, I think because that WrestleMania that was WrestleMania two thousand, correct? Yeah, Sean. Yeah, yeah. and I yeah. think I broke my hand too, so I couldn't really you know do a whole lot. So that didn't help matters. But yeah, we were supposed to have like the big the big blow off match at WrestleMania, yeah. and they said it just you know we just never could get it worked out. But people always and. And even like after that, like when I was doing the the 2002 NWO stuff, whenever you would get your hands on me, the people would go nuts. Even like later on down yep. the road. So, um, but I remember like Glenn, and and I gotta bring this up, man, because I I felt like I felt so bad when I finally realized this was the the deal. Um, I apparently, like, I sent you to the hospital three nights in a row to get stitched up, and you never told me. I had to find out from Paul Bear. Do you remember that? Well, yeah. It, it was, it was, it was actually, it was, it wasn't three nights in a row. It was once, two consecutive weeks, but it was also uh, just stuff that happened. It wasn't like you've done anything on purpose or anything like that. In fact, one of them I did myself. Uh, you know, but I, I'll never forget you were, you were apologizing. I was like, dude, don't worry about it. You know, it, just, it happens. I'm not, I'm not hurt or anything. Well, you, know? well so, you, you remember yeah. the one, do you remember the one where I slammed the cage door on your head and you hit and it hit a gusher? And I mean, yeah. like, and, and, and it, and that's when it dawned on me how hot you run at all times, because when the blood hit your suit, it immediately dried and caked up and started smoking. <laughs> Start steaming. I was just like, "Oh my god!" That was not a special. <laughs> that was, and that was my fault too, actually, because I uh, 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 I didn't protect myself as well as I should have on on that. But oh come uh, on, yeah, I, I will, I'll never forget that either. That was uh, um, visually that was horrifying. <laughs> Oof. So, but um, I, I remember Mick 
Nick actually was there that night, and uh, um, yeah, I'd had a, had a really bad cut on my uh, scalp, and uh, remember Mick walking into the locker room, and remember Francois? Yeah, Francois Petit. Look at you. Yeah, yeah, Francois looking at it, and Mick walks in, and Mick's like, oh my God, Glenn, and as soon as Mick said that, I'm like, oh no, I'm done. Like, if Mick Foley's, you know, if Mick Foley's saying, oh my God, about an injury, yeah. forget about it, right? Yeah. So, but luckily that, and luckily it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that bad. It was a, it was a nice cut. <laughs> hey, Glenn, um, so when, uh, when we, like, okay, go on talking about that 2002 NWO stuff, uh, you've, you've, you tore your bicep then, and and we did this thing in the back where I like we we attacked you and like I took your mask off. You remember that? Yes. Were you not? Yeah. Were you were like shrugging or something with like four oh five, which isn't really that a lot that much weight for you, wasn't it? I was doing no, I was doing a lot more than that. I was doing like five ninety five. Okay, I know, but even that really like five ninety five like. Shrugging, like I, I, I picture you doing that. Like it's, it's a weird thing yeah. where all of a sudden, you know, you blow up bicep. Yeah, up. I, yeah. Now what had happened was I had a, I had an underhand grip on that side, uh, and I, I think I'd actually, uh, I remember, you know, I, someone had me in like an arm bar or something. And I remember tweaking it a little bit, like a month before that, uh, um, and it was just one of those, you know, just one of those things. Um, and I've been really fortunate in my career. I've only had a handful of injuries, um, and I had that one, but that that happened at the gym. It didn't happen, you know, in the ring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I had a had to go down and see Doctor Andrews, uh, of course, and I had to get it fixed. There was it, it was you know in a uh, in an area on my arm that, that you know you, your arm can't function. I couldn't right. turn my wrist, you know. Um, but again, I mean, I've been I've I've been so fortunate i had that uh i, I broke my hand uh you know and, and that's really been about it as far as like injuries that put me out for any period of time what see because i mean it's i mean you you it's not like you're pretty agile and and uh big man the way you work so like how what do you think or what do you think the reasoning for for you being fairly injury free like keeping flexible or what the, yeah, that has something to do with also, I mean, you know, because I am uh, a big dude, you know, Huge. it's not like, um, you know, some other guys that just have to go out there every night and, you know, take all these crazy bumps. I never had to do that. I mean, yeah. you look at Mick now and, you know, uh, you know, night after night, Mick would go out and, you know, do sentons onto the concrete and all that. And, you know, um, his body's taking a toll yeah. uh, because of that. And I just—I was very fortunate I didn't have to do that, uh, you know. And then also, I mean, I—I I tried to stay in as good a shape as I could, uh, you know, which can be challenging on the road. But nevertheless, I'd always get to the gym and, you know, just try to take care of myself. Uh, and, and I think that—that that has a lot to do with it as well. You look as good now, like I think as you and some better than uh, at some points earlier in your career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, I still I still work out and stay in shape, and that's what everybody tells me. It's like you know, if you found the fountain of youth, I was like, I don't know, man, because I, I certainly don't feel like I did when I was thirty. <laughs> well, your your current job is, shall we say, far less hazardous than your than your previous gig, of course. In, in, in some in, now, in some ways, yeah, in some right. ways it's not. In some ways, it's much more dangerous. <laughs> but nevertheless, 
Have you had any trouble convincing uh, the people of the town or anyone that you work with that someone who we've seen bleeding from the head from a cage in a ring can be an effective mayor? No. Um, you know, because the thing is, I think that we've reached the, you know, the point that folks understand what, you know, what we do is entertainment and we're really actors. And of course, yeah. you know, for, for years and years and years, um, you know, that, that within our business, that was completely, uh, off limits, you know, and, uh, Vince realized that, you know, we can do a lot more if we're, you know, just to acknowledge that what we do is entertainment and that there are people behind the actors, behind the characters. And, you know, frankly, just like with so many other things, you know, everybody's like, uh, that's crazy to think that way, but he was right in the end. Um, and, and you can just see that, you know, and really the, the, you know, the WWE superstars and the performers, you know, their, their ability to, especially nowadays in the day, you know, in uh, social, social media, you know, just your ability, uh, you know, to do things outside of, uh, WWE and outside of wrestling uh, that you wouldn't have been able to do in the old days. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, you're always going to have people say whatever. And I find that those folks are completely ignorant about the, what they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, you know, this has been a great business for me. Um, I have been able, because of my time in WWE, I've been able to touch so many people around the world, uh, you know, touch their lives in a positive manner. And uh, that's the most rewarding thing. Absolutely. You know, when someone, come, someone comes up and tells you that, you know, thanks for giving them years of, of enjoyment and entertainment, you can't put a price tag on that. You know, um, so I think, you know, I think that nowadays uh, all that stuff is really, you know, I mean, you're always going to have people that say whatever and who cares? Sure. You know, uh, most people are, you know, most people are cool and accepting and realize that, you know, we're, we're just people, you know, we're trying to make a living. (laughs) So, so Glenn, was, was there a situation locally that you were frustrated with that made you decide you wanted to run for mayor? No, I'd always been interested in, okay. in government. I never really wanted to run for office, um, you know. But in the end, it's just uh, you know thinking maybe I could, uh, hopefully, I can have a positive impact on on things. But uh, there wasn't like a single trigger in my uh, for me that was like, oh yeah, I, I need to do this. It was more just uh, I think it would be a good thing. It, it, did you did you have did you experience any um, you know uh, you know dirty tricks you know as far as like the politicians that you were going against. Not so much. Uh, we had a really clean campaign. I was really proud of it. Uh, not cool. only on my side, but also my opponents. Uh, you know, uh, they're, they they ran a clean campaign. Um, you know, and, and I, I think nowadays too, uh, people are tired of the dirty politics. Man, you know, I know I am. Um, man. That that really turns folks off. And in fact, you know, one of my opponents, uh, he's on county commission. Uh, great guy. You know, we and it's funny because during the campaign, you know, we would argue about stuff, and now, you know, we see eye to eye on a lot of things, and he does a great job. Uh, so, you know, I, I think really with the politics, um, again, people are just getting sick and tired of the constant negative campaign, and it's yeah, like, man. well, okay, so your opponent's terrible. What about you? Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I always say. You know, it's just, you know, the uh, campaign motto for a lot of candidates should just be, you know, I'm not as bad as the other guy, right? <laughs> Instead of, you know, why should you vote for me? It's just always why should you not vote for the other person? 
and um, I think people are tired of it. Well, is mayor just the first stop in your political career? <laughs> are you going to run for governor or? Senator? I have I have no idea. I'm just trying to survive and do a good job, and uh, you know we'll see. I I, I really don't know. I, um, you know, and I haven't I haven't thought that far, uh, and I think really you do a disservice to folks when you think like that too. Yeah. You shouldn't. You know, I, I have a problem when people say higher office or uh, you know whatever um, because they're all important. Yeah. And, you know, you need to treat it like that. But when people get in just thinking, oh, gosh, you know, I want to run for this and I'm going to do this and I do, and do that, that's not what the whole thing is about. The whole thing is about conserving your constituents. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, and, and, and your constituent, I mean, Knoxville, Tennessee is, a, is pretty diverse, way more diverse than somebody might think when they hear Tennessee. Well, it is. Yeah, it is, man. We've... Um, in the county, there's 450,000 people, and uh, we have the, the county's budget is $830 million. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have everything here from uh, downtown. Uh, we have a section of downtown called Market Square, which is one of the hippest places in the country. There's restaurants and, uh, you know, theaters and uh, just everything you'd possibly imagine. Uh, I live out in a section of the county, which is in the country. Uh, you know, we have everything in between, um, you know, when we look at ethnic diversity as well, you yeah. know, I have, you know, friends here that, uh, you know, you wouldn't think that there'd be a large Asian population here, but, you know, I have friends, uh, they're Vietnamese, Japanese, uh, from, from Laos, you know, all that, all yeah. that sort of thing. Um, you know, uh, Indian folks, everything. So yeah, it is a very diverse community. Hey, Hey, real, like, let's talk about the wrestling school, man. Yeah, that community is about to get a brand new wrestling academy. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is. Um, really happy about this. Uh, you know, Dr. Tom Pritchard. Yeah, we, he was on a little, he was on a couple years. Yep. He was on a couple weeks ago, right? About a month yep. ago. Yeah. And yep, Tom was here in Knoxville, and uh, Tom's one of the best trainers in the world. Absolutely, I mean, he was with WWE for uh, you know quite a while as the head trainer at uh, their developmental center. Um, and, you know, has trained people like Kurt Angle and The Rock and all these other folks. And from, you know, looking at this as a business person, I was thinking, it's just a shame that, you know, Tom is not, <laughs> not training because he's yes. really good at it. And he's really in demand. You know, he goes all over the world doing seminars and that sort of stuff. Uh, so really, I was like, uh, you know, just for me, again, as a business person, looking at the whole thing and thinking, okay, uh, you know, what's the competition? And, of course, you know, Lance Storm has a great school up in Calgary, and Booker has a great setup down in, in uh, Houston, um, you know. And, it, of course, you know, nothing compared to the form, performance center in Orlando. Uh, you know, but really I think you have to look at – people ask me, how do I get into, into WWE? Well, you got to go to the performance center at some point, you know. Um, the question is, how do you get ready to go to the performance center? Yep. You know, and that's the first stop for a lot of people. And I thought that was a niche that uh, that we could fill. And geographically, um, you know, it's kind of lacking in our in our area. So I just thought it'd be a, uh, you know, I thought it'd be something that would would take off. Has anyone at WWE have they been supportive of you, or did anyone encourage you when this was just an idea? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, I, I ran it by them, and uh, you know. Uh, the thing about WWE is, you know, you hear a lot of the negative stuff. And I can tell you the negative stuff 
is often a result of disgruntled people who haven't gotten their way, you know, just running their mouth. That's true. Um, Because most of the time when I've come up and said, hey, I need help with something, they'll bend over backwards to help me with it. Uh, And, you know, this has been the same. And, you know, uh, especially Triple H understands that, uh, you know, they need a pipeline and they need talent coming in. And Paul, Paul gets that, you know, I mean, he was the brains behind the performance center, which is just an unbelievable facility. Um, you know, and I mean, he, he goes all around the world, uh, helping other, in some cases, other promotions, you know, uh, groom their talent. Uh, so I think that anytime that, that he sees the opportunity, you know, to get, to, to grow that talent pool of people that they could pull from, they're going to be supportive of it. Nice. Well, one of the things that we were talking about earlier, and I kind of wanted to ask you, was we were talking about your different phases in the company and different things that you went through. But one of the things I want to know is, what was your favorite evolution of Kane? Oh, the first one. Nice. First one by far, yeah. you know, because uh, it was new and it was different. It's exciting for me personally. And, uh, you know, that was, that was the time, too, man. I mean, that was when everything was, you know, was just, going and you know forget about being the hottest thing in wrestling we were the hottest thing in entertainment absolutely you know i mean yeah it was it was much bigger than just professional wrestling we were the hottest thing in the entertainment world you know when you can go around for two years or however long it was and and sell every place out like legit uh, sellouts every single yeah building. yeah yeah not, not paper these were legit everywhere we went you know and every then, house you know, show you just have yeah it was just amazing um and from a character standpoint too, you know, that, that's, you know, that, that, that was just the best time because you know how it goes as you evolve through your career. Uh, it's just like, just like everything. I mean, like in happy days, they call it jumping the shark tank, right? Jumping Where, the shark. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. The original concept of the character just deviates because it just always does because you always have to do something new. Um, and to me, that was just, you know, that, that was just the best time because you had, you know, had this character, everybody knew what it was all about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everything was fresh and good. You know what? Something I, I, I want to add to this is that, man, Sorry. no one has ever, like, you spoke so much without ever speaking a word. The way you did your, the, the way you did everything, man. Like, and I just want to, I just want to acknowledge that, 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 I mean, it was so well done. Man, well, I, thank you, bro. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you guys where I got the head tilt because uh, I remember Bruce Pritchard telling me that you know I, I would just do that to tilt my head from side to side. And I remember Bruce Pritchard telling me that I I uh, told people more about what was going on than if I'd been able to talk. Absolutely. And uh, I got that from my yeah. Saint Bernard named Annie. <laughs> um, yeah. Because Aww. when she was curious, she would tilt her head one way. When she was hungry, she would tilt her head the other way. That's where the whole thing came oh, from, man. actually. So, <laughs> you know, people, you know, they, they think there's this deep story behind it. I was like, nah, I was just watching my dog yeah. one day. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, but hey, I, I got to get going, guys. I was just about uh, to say, okay. man, we're, we're uh, coming up to end uh, this. And I just want to okay. thank you so much, Glenn. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming on. Well, Sean, I, I appreciate it. And thank you, guys. And. Um, man, I, I always had a great time working uh, with you as well. And uh, you were one of those guys that uh, I'll tell you about uh, about Sean. Uh, he was always wor- more worried about me uh, than he was him. And uh, I remember, you know, one time he was talking with Vince and we were talking about something. And Sean was the guy going to bat for me, uh, 
you know, and I think that says a lot about thank you. him. And uh, you know, it really impressed me. I used so to thank put, you for that. I used to dip my hands in glass, tape them up, dip them in glass to go in and go. Kane's not doing that. That's not what Kane does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thank you, you looked out for me, man. I appreciate that. Thank you, man. I'm so grateful to you for for everything, man. And and um, um, Glenn Jacobs, Mayor, Mayor Glenn Jacobs, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you, guys. Have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you for your time, Glenn. Thanks, honey. Take care, bud. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas, my friend. Bye. All right. Oh, that was so much fun to hear you guys reminiscing. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, man. And and uh, I'm talking to ladies here, and I'm saying, man, sorry. <laughs> bro. <We're not> offended. <laughs> Listen, bros. Bro. That was so great. Yeah, just, and it was so, so, um, um, just so. Um, it's just can go easy on and for on. you and yeah, him. So yeah. generous with his time. So, yeah, yeah. And I did. I used to get really pissed. He's not lying, man. I used to go and I'm not. No, that's not what Kane does. Glenn's not doing that tonight. No, no. Yeah, he's right. I can you to, think of one instance, like specifically? Uh, no, I don't want to get into different okay. ones. But there were different certain little things that you know. I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the kid was working for him. This episode of X-Pac 12360 is brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. NHTSA is working hard to change habits and save lives during the holiday season. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Many people are unaware that driving while high can be just as dangerous. In 2015, 42% of drivers killed in crashes tested positive for drugs. Not so harmless after all now, is it? And get this, from 2007 to 2015, marijuana use among drivers killed in crashes doubled. The truth is driving while high is deadly. So stop kidding yourself. If you're impaired from alcohol or drugs, don't get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Drive sober or get pulled over. So yeah, um, also, and so um, I guess that's it. That's right? it. Stay <laughs> tuned. Just, to, just an action-packed show yeah. full of lots of juicy good stuff. Yeah, yeah. man. Stay tuned to Xbox for at the real Xbox for any upcoming dates and what's going on. Yeah. So I guess that's. Um, go ahead. Uh, yeah, follow ladies. me on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. Watch me on the Maury Show this Thursday. Uh, right. It's not a it's not a who's the daddy situation. It's a festive holiday fails, holiday viral videos, things gone wrong. You guys are gonna love it. It's just like wrestling. Watch All it right. on Maury. Nice. Well, I just uh, I guess that's about it, and uh, um, we'll see you right here next week uh, at X at X Pac. We'll see you here next week on X Pac One Two Three Sixty right here. From After Buzz TV Studios in North Hollywood, California. 
From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Mark B. Donica, Jimbo Frank, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow Xbox on Twitter at the Real Xbox and email us at Xbox 12360 Show at gmail.com. The Westwood One Podcast Network.